Welcome, welcome, welcome to this Season 1, Episode 13, Episode Extra. I'm Cameron J. I'm super excited that this is finally coming out, this interview with Dr. Michael J. Parati, one of my dear friends. You can find him at www.drmichaelparati.com. And you first met him in Episode 7 of this series as we find and seek justice for Tara. Now, fun fact, not only is he a dog fan, but he is a lover of grits. Hey, that's where, that's where they broke me in with grits was Georgia. Alpharetta, Georgia, I had my first bowl of grits. (laughs) Well, did you like them? Yeah, I thought it was really good. Crunchy and, you know. Yeah, so what's going on with Tara's case? What's going on with that? And as you can see, Dr. Parati cuts right to the chase. And I think that's why he and I get along so well. We talk about Tara's case often, actually, and he does all of this pro bono, and we pass ideas back and forth. He's good at what he does, and just so you know, you can look at his biography on his website to see how experienced this man truly is in what we're about to talk about. I had a conversation with the very busy doctor on his way home from work this evening, and here's some of our conversation initially he did say that he thought this could be someone that didn't know Tara. I asked him if he still believes this and so much more. Here you go. Here's this interview. I was thinking about Tara before I left the office. Mm -hmm. Tara was a victim of this extreme violence. Extreme violence, you know, and so I thought about Tara and I'm like, wait a minute. This is a case of extreme violence. This is not someone who doesn't know her. So I don't, I really believe that. I believe there was a motive and a reason. And I think there was some, there was some issue. Mm-hmm. She had some issue with somebody. I don't know what the hell it was, but she did. And they came in there and they did that. That's what I think. I, I really think that's what happened. Yeah. Cause there's uh, there's different types of violence. There's syndromes of lethal violence. They percolate, you know, in somebody. And then they elevate to a point of extreme violence, you know. Some people, um, they feel they've been wronged. And they go around and they think that it becomes me versus them. Now, you know, could she have been the victim of a sexually violent predator? Yes. But for an SVP to go in her house, uh, you know, to get be able to get in to have uh, access, mm-hmm. to have access, and to know where she lived and to have access. Uh, this is this is not, especially violent predators, they usually, they prey on women. They just kind of, you know, they're out there, out there on the streets and random acts of violence. But mm-hmm. this doesn't sound like that. I think there was an issue with somebody. That person knew her, ergo, they had access to her uh, home, and that was it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think. That's my take on it. And I think the whole thing was totally screwed up because the police, they didn't do a proper investigation. And, you know, we're not hearing anything about hair fibers, blood stains, anything to degraded DNA, that they bring dogs out there, you know, that they have dogs uh, searching for 
evidence, you know, I don't think they did, you know, mm-hmm. not from what I heard. It could have involved intimate partner violence. It could have involved uh, somebody feeling uh, rebuffed by her. It could have been feeling somebody was delusional and thought she loved them or something, and they were stalking her. Erotomania, as they call it. What do you think about the fact, Dr. Parati, that um, Tara's laptop was the only thing taken from the house? Does that lead you to believe that this is robbery or um, that this is something more personal than that? You know, I think the first step was complete terrorist crime against her. But then I think, uh, I think the computer was a further step. In other words... When you get a person's computer, it's like their cell phone. You get their their whole life, their whole world is in there. So I think they stole the computer because they're like, okay, how can we hurt her some more? How can we find out about her contacts and, you know, what she was doing with people and where she was going and get all her information, you know? Mm -hmm. You get that. You get that from things like computers and cell phones. So, so it's not. It's, it, it makes sense when you say it's. It was just a computer because that's her information. If it was something other than a computer and wanting to access her life through her laptop, because everybody's stuff is in their computer, then they would have stolen jewelry or cash or who knows what. We got you, you know, we destroyed you. Now we're going to, you know, we're going to see what else we can do to hurt you in your life. Even though we laid you out, what else can we do to hurt you? Mm-hmm. And they go take her computer. That's what I think happened. What do you think about the fact that the crime scene is set on fire after after Tara's killed? To destroy evidence. Mm-hmm. Destroy evidence. People commonly do that. They set cars on fire. They put bodies in the trunk and incinerate the car. You know, that's what they do to destroy evidence, you know. But most of the time they're stupid and they forget something and they leave it behind. Sort of like the the uh, homicide I told you about where the guy left the uh, Gatorade bottle a red Gatorade bottle, and they, the police go to the guy's friend's house to find out where he is mm-hmm. before they send the warrant unit out, which is about 50 guys with AK-47s. <laughs> so, you know, before they do that, they go to the friend's house. And what do they find at the friend's house? They find a bottle of not only a bottle of Gatorade, but a red bottle of Gatorade. <laughs> so people make mistakes like that, but because, you know, I'm not there, I didn't see that, but I mean, I don't hear nothing about evidence collection, mm-hmm. blood samples, fibers, lifting prints. I don't even think they wiped the place for prints myself, mm-hmm. you know doesn't sound like it. The only, the only way you can tell that is uh, you'd have to have access to the crime lab report. Do you think there's any significance to the fact that the everything used in the crime against Tara was located in her home? What that tells me is, again, 
there was an issue she had with somebody. I don't know what it was. That person knew her. They knew where she lived. Uh, they were able to get in without access. She, she obviously knew them. Mm -hmm. And so I think what happened, to answer your question, is uh, they got in and they didn't just go in and kill her. They got in and there was some sort of tay to tay, you know, some sort of, uh, some sort of fight, you know, mm -hmm. and it escalated. And then I think, where's the, where is the most, the location of the most frequent, uh, where most homicides are committed in the U S in the kitchen mm. where they grab a knife. So it's not that, oh, well, everything was in her house. Somebody came in there and they had an issue with her. Who knows what? You and I have talked a little bit, Dr. Parati, about some of the people of interest as it relates to, you know, what we're discussing now. Who do you think deserves a closer look as it relates to what you know about Tara's case and what happened to her? Uh, former suitors, boyfriends, mm -hmm. people in intimate, non-intimate relationships. Business relationships, uh, contacts she had with law enforcement, just all the significant contacts in her life, you know, I think, you know, mm -hmm. what this is telling me is this was probably falling under, probably falling under the heading of, uh, of a intimate partner, intimate friend, intimate contact of some kind. This was not, I don't believe this was, I don't think this was a stranger. No. So that would rule out. And, yeah, a stranger, a stranger is going to come in and come in and then just kill her, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you know, try to come in to steal something or polarize the place. And that doesn't make sense either because I guess it could, but, you know, but that's not, that's not what the case was. They didn't steal valuables. They stole her computer, which is a very personal piece of information. That's where everybody's information is. You know? And who knows? Who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe they burned the place. Maybe there was information about them on the computer. There was information about them and emails from her on the computer to them. And they didn't want anybody to find out about that, so they took the computer. Do you think that the person who committed this crime is likely to have done it again, based on what we know about the scene, what happened to Tara, um, the people that we're looking at? Do you think this could be a one-time thing or a a multiple occurrence thing in someone's life? Oh, no. So, no, something like this. No, I think they, they, they killed again because the best predictor of future violence is past violence. Mm. No, this kind of violent act, I think they killed again. And it could very well have been outside of Georgia, you know. This person might have been predatory, you know. What kind of mental toll do you think it would take on someone who's committed a crime like this to keep it a secret for so long? Or do you think that they probably have slipped up and told someone about their crime? 
these people compartmentalize things. Mm-hmm. So like Bill Clinton was talking about that one time. He said he has little file drawers up in his head, you know. So some people can just, some people can compartmentalize that they're usually psychopathic. And then uh, other people are, you know, there's instrumental violence, which is very reactive. Mm-hmm and predatory violence which is planning and forethought and hers was more reactive violence but you know it's hard to say you know i mean it depends on whether they had a sociopathic uh, traits or not whether this is going to bother them or not it probably didn't Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because obviously i mean obviously they didn't care about her because they set the place on fire afterwards, you know. What do you think about the possibility that the person who committed this could have been under the influence of drugs or alcohol? I don't think that, I don't, I think that's probably low probability because they entered the place, they had a, a route of access, they were thinking, they were planning, they tried to destroy evidence, they were planning again, they took her all of her personal information on the computer. Mm-hmm. I, this is not access someone under the influence of something. If there's anything that you could say to Tara's family, what would you say to them about all of this? Shout and be counted because I would not tolerate a family member of mine being murdered and the police saying, oh, you know, this is an, an investigation, so we can't talk about this. And I'm like, excuse me, excuse me. We are the family. Do you care about even talking to us or getting information? Hmm. What do you mean? How can you possibly say this is still an investigation? I mean, this this, this uh, mess that they created is preventing the family from healing. It's preventing the family from getting closure. Who did this? Why did they do this to our daughter? That is the worst thing you can do to a family. To just prolong their grief, their pain, because of your inadequate work, you know? Mm-hmm. There's many, many ways that this can be made better. It can be made better by applying uh, degraded DNA techniques that can be degraded by, um, you know, revisiting the evidence and the crime scene. There's many cases, many cases I can tell you about many 30, 40 years later, people have visited the crime scene and what did they find? They found new evidence. Hmm. So that is something that even the family needs to be even more outraged about. This, you know, this heinous, uh, outrageous crime against our daughter. Here in California, we had, we're not like that. California has a lot of problems, but we're not like that out here. I mean, we, and the, we just sentenced the Golden State Killer who was a serial killer, he used to be a police officer who 
he killed like uh, 50 people, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a task force of detectives. This thing was like 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And they still were working on the case. Hello, Georgia. Hello. Mm. Hello, GBI. Hello. Why are law enforcement in California still working on a case and apprehended the killer because he was married and living in a neighborhood just like Alpharetta or one of those places like normal people? And the police did a familial study. They did a familial tree, familial tree, DNA tree, database. And they lifted a cup out of the trash can in his driveway. And they tested it for DNA. That's how they, that's how they nailed him 40 years later. Mm. He was a young man. Now he's like almost 70. So why in California, the family needs to like, look at that. Why are we having detectives out here who never gave up? They never gave up trying to find this monster out here. Never gave up. And they got him. But they're, oh, uh, it's still an investigation. We can't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's been frustrating. And I know, I know, uh, I know there's mixed feelings about the governor and the mass wars out there, but (laughs) I would, I mean, I would even maybe talk to the governor. Is there anything else you want to say about the case uh, or your expert Uh, opinion? Well, like I say, the other possibilities are Somebody could have been stalking her. People stalk people for years, for years. And then they break up with them and they still stalk them. Mm. So, you know, uh, unfortunately, the victims don't like to talk about this. So people don't find out about this a lot. But I've had women come to me and they are now in their mid late twenties and they were in their early twenties in college and they rebuffed a suitor, you know, or an old boyfriend. And he continued to harass them and to, uh, stalk them in college. Hmm. And then they cut them loose in college somehow. And they graduated. These are girls that I know a one girl I know. Uh, they get out and they're like, oh my God, what do I do now, Dr. Parani? Uh, do I get a restraining order or what? Because it's rearing its ugly head again. See, domestic violence, uh, if it applies here, it's cyclical. Mm-hmm. It's the cycle of abuse. If there's abuse and guilt and remorse and apology and then back to the same thing again. You know? mm-hmm. So, but the fact that you're telling me, you know, they used something in her home, the home had, they had access to the home, they took her computer. This is telling me there's someone who, this was some um, intimate uh, type of relationship 
as opposed to a stranger. I don't think this was this was not a stranger. Mm-hmm. This kind of what I look like is a forensic psychologist. What I look like had his behavior, mm-hmm. and that's not the behavior of a stranger. You know, no way. That's my rant for tonight. Because even though I I don't know the family, I share their pain. Mm-hmm. I feel their pain. And by the way, if I may say to the family, sorry for your loss. Sorry for your loss. Yeah. And I feel your loss. Sorry for your loss. And uh, I also would like I would love to tell the family, please never give up. Please never give up. Don't ever give up trying to find this monster and hold these people accountable who are supposed to be doing the investigation. Don't ever give up because. Tara's spirit is with you, and she doesn't want you to give up. She wants you to keep fighting. Mm. So that—that's what I would say. That was great, Doctor Parati. Thank you. Oh, you're quite welcome. And I think that says it all. We'll see you right here next Thursday. All right, this week I have to tell you about my friends over at Potted Perfections Ornamental Gardens and Exterior Design. If you know me, you know I'm a sucker for good design, and that's exactly what you'll find here. They were founded in 2010 in East Cobb, Georgia, and originate from Athens. And they also serve clients right here in the classic city. The scope of their work has evolved from custom planters to complete exterior design and ornamental gardens, including installation. Don't just take it from me, though. Here's what one of their clients had to say. Brilliant designer with the ability to connect with whatever fashion fits the homeowner. Give Jenny a call today or schedule your consultation with Fall right around the corner. 770-820-2011 or find them on Facebook at Potted Perfections.